May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Genesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He, had, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the lake, into the deep water, and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When he had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were heavy, beginning to break. So they signaled their partner on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were there with him were amazed at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. This is God's word for God's people. What a marvelous scripture for us this morning. Can you imagine it? Uh, on the northern sea, northern coast of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus with his disciples, uh, a crowd, more and more of a crowd gathering as he's teaching. And so Jesus then uh, says, uh, Peter, let's, let's go out in the boat a bit. Now, those of you who are traveling uh, to the Holy Land in January, we'll drive right by where we think that happened. And as we look out of the bus, we're going to see how the northern coast of the Sea of Galilee is in such a fashion that here in this one place, there's a, a cove where the, um, where the earth kind of makes an amphitheater so that you can imagine very easily Jesus being in a boat pushed out about 10 or 30 feet from the shore and being able to speak to uh, uh, an ark of people there listening. Now, we don't know that that's really where it happened, um, but it happened somewhere between he, here and there on that coast, and uh, that image um, lends itself to this story. It's a marvelous human story of Peter having been out and not succeeded in what he and his friends intended to be doing as they were fishing and, and now are, are being distracted and commandeered by this uh, prophet rabbi who asked him to go out. And Peter, you can imagine the tone of voice, you can imagine the attitude perhaps that's behind the simple words that we have in scripture. Peter saying, uh, more or less, eh, 
I don't know about this idea, Lord. We've been out there all night. We're exhausted. No fish. Come on. Yet, for some reason, why? He changes his mind and says, well, okay, if you say, we'll go. This is an important uh, biblical story for our life stories as we grow in our discipleship and we move through what we're talking about this summer of being stages of faith. You'll recall a couple Sundays ago we talked about the first stage, the stage uh, you might want to refer to your your graphic handout, the first stage where people are just on the beach and, and looking at the ocean but not going in, but they've gotten to the beach. And that's kind of an interesting thing. They're curious, I guess, right? And they're looking at it. And then the, the next step of where they're dipping their toes in the water. So what's happened here, if you recall, a good friend of that person who's stuck on the beach has come up to this explorer, this seeker, and has said, come with me. Come on my elbow. Come with me to church. Come and see if what you have heard about church might be true. And so uh, the person puts their cynicism aside because of his or her trust in his or her friend, right? And comes to church. And, and hopefully it's a church like ours where the person then experiences a, a, a good, solid, um, powerful, nurturing worship experience and starts to think, well, maybe there is something to this God stuff. And then goes home, watches a couple Dodger games, has some beer and pretzels, goes to work, who knows what the person does, and the idea just kind of keeps bugging him or her during the week that maybe, maybe he or she should go back and, and just see if, if it's real. And that's the stage two, where the person goes back and, and dips their toes in the water, trying to test in the water. Is it really true? Is it really, is it really like I think it might be? And, and stage two is, is, a, is a time in which the person is like hoping against hope. The person is wearing their, their yearning and, and their sensitivity on their sleeves and is either greeted by a welcoming congregation that makes a point of giving authentic hospitality, of welcoming the visitor, or is met by people who are more interested in their old friends than in new people. And, and one of two things happens. That person experiences some genuine hospitality and thinks, my Lord, this is maybe really true. The opportunity to connect with God and to have authentic relationship with some other humans, people who are struggling or, or not so struggling so much, but are moving along in their pilgrimage of becoming fuller and um, more mature people of faith or just good humans, right? So the person has that experience. This is the second circle, the second person. And now today we're dealing with the third the third stage of faith, where the person has been impressed by the relevant worship, has been impressed by the genuine hospitality, and so now is coming back again, stepping into 
the life, whatever the life is, of the church. Stepping into the water. As far as moms will allow them to, up to their knees we learned at the first service and not, not above that or there'd be danger, look out. But they're stepping into the waves. They're stepping into the waves enough to feel the waves, to feel the movement of the ocean. Now remember the ocean is a, a metaphor for us of the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we're trying to get deeper and deeper into God. That's what the ocean is for us in this graphic, right? And so getting into the illustration, the person is stepping into the water far enough that the person feels the movement of the water, feels the waves, the waves come and go through their legs and comes back and, and sometimes there's a bigger one and it kind of jostles them a little bit, right? You know what I'm talking about. You've been out in the ocean enough to know this. You're feeling, you're feeling what's going on and you're learning about it. You're seeing big waves do this, small waves do this. You're getting a feeling of comfort, but their feet is staying securely on the ground. They're not risking a whole lot. They've gotten in, but they're not risking a whole lot yet. Now, it's interesting to discover that a lot of people at this stage will then talk to people like Rachel or I or of you, and they'll say, what can I do to help out? What can I do to uh, belong? What should, I, what should I do? And we all, being good church people, say, how would you like to be a greeter? How would you like to be an usher? I hear you're a teacher. How about teaching the sixth graders? We need somebody to do that. How about being on trustees? How about doing this or doing that? That's how we kind of respond, and that's because we're so deep into the institution, we only hear an institutional question from the new person. In truth, research tells us that the person is really not asking, what can I do? But the person is asking, what should I be doing to further experience God and grow in my faith? They're not looking for jobs. They're not looking for 10 more to-do tasks on their, on their list. They've just stumbled into the church a month ago. They're not looking for three more committee meetings a month. They're looking for the living Lord. They're looking for genuine experiences of caring and love. They're looking for how do I grow into experiencing God more? How do I learn what I need to know to be a disciple of Christ, to have these experiences more, to have these experiences affect me more, to grow in these experiences and become more like what I think you're like. Because I see you pretty stable in your sailing through the cancers and the job changes and things like that. I want to do that too. I don't want to feel like each turn 
of the tacking of my pilgrimage is the end of the road. How do I discover that kind of faith? Well, serve on the trustees, teach the sixth graders. <laughs> and ironically, what, what happens to us since we're thinking more institutionally than spiritually about that person, they, they will do that. I mean, I have had somebody in their first year become chair of trustees and at the end of their second year of being connected to the church leave because we heard him say, what should I do institutionally? And he was saying, what should I do spiritually? So as we come to, as we come to this stage, we're, we're asking ourselves, well, where am I? Am, am I at this stage three? Does this sound like me? And we are also saying, well, what does our church do? to help people at this stage. We're looking at this in two ways, remember? We're thinking about it personally, trying to get our bearings as to where we might be and what our challenges might be, and to get our bearings as a church as to whether we're doing as, as well as we should for helping people to grow through their stages of faith. And we do this through a a type of ministry that Glover and Lavi they call um, giving and receiving ministries. I don't know where they come up with these names. But the idea is that our program ministry is geared to helping people grow spiritually, not just trying to get them to be active in the institutional life of the church. And so we want to be mindful of providing two things, two types of things to people. And we, as people, need to be mindful of taking advantage of these two types of offerings that the church offers us. And one of them is the continuing education, adult education, not just information, but experiencing what needs to be experienced to grow in our faith. So we talk about Bible studies, we talk about small spiritual growth groups, we talk about prayer groups. We've had Lenten studies that are, that are opening forays into getting serious about looking at yourself spiritually and challenging yourself to grow. The person who is coming into these experiences needs to be equipped for understanding, well, what is this faith? What do we do? What are the things we don't do because we're saying we believe in God made manifest to us in Christ Jesus? What are the things? And so we offer, we offer some classes, 101 type classes, Bible study 101. Spiritual growth, spiritual disciplines, basic things so that people then, so prayer is a big part of this, the person discovers, and they then say, all right, so you're going to help me learn how to pray? And we're saying, yep, that's what we do. 
and the person is saying, I hear a lot of Bible thrown around, not just on Sundays, but out of a lot of people's mouths for a lot of different reasons. I'm getting the picture that knowing what's in the Bible is important. Is that right? And we go, yep, come to Bible study. I'm being silly, but aren't I being exactly right? We need to avail ourselves of the basics of the Christian movement and the Christian faith so that we understand what our foundation is that we're standing on. And so we offer these kind of classes and we want to have we want to have basic and advanced type of classes because there might be some people among us raise your hands if it sounds like you that you want to know the difference between Augustine and Luther and Wesley. Doesn't that sound exciting? Okay, there's maybe eight people that think that's a great idea. The rest of you going, forget that. Um, but some people think that's a good idea. Some people would want to understand Bonhoeffer. What happened to that Lutheran pastor that he ended up becoming a martyr uh, to Hitler? How did he make those choices? What informed his behaviors and the choices he made? There might be people who are going to want to take Jim up on his, on his offering of a, uh, a meditative type spiritual growth class that we're gonna hopefully do sometime soon. Now some of us don't go into that kind of stuff. We're just gonna say grace and morning and evening prayers, but there's some of us who recognize the, the blessing of learning how to be at peace inside their own body, to meditate, to be centered, and to deal with the craziness of the world from a centered place rather than a manic place. Jim can help you do that. We're thinking about offering something like that. That would be uh, an advanced kind of class that's not just prayer, but it's, it's something deeper. When Rachel has been talking about these huddle groups, that would be another great opportunity of advancing our understanding of how God is working with us and what God might be asking of us for growing in our faith. We want to make sure that we provide these opportunities as a church and we want to make sure that we, as people who are in stage three, perhaps, take advantage of these. You want to have a faith that is more sophisticated than what you were confirmed in when you were 17, don't you? Don't you think as you've aged through four or five decades that somehow your theology should be a little more sophisticated than what you learned when you were 15? Yeah. Yeah, it will serve you well if, if you move along with this. The other thing that we want to be sure we offer are opportunities for genuine relationship through small groups. It's one thing to be friendly and uh, nice to one another with coffee and stuff. It's another thing to get into a small group. And those of you who have been in a small group for a number of months or years really know the rich value of those kind of experiences where you are with somebody that you have learned to trust so well that you can very candidly be who you are 
and without embarrassment, you can work with other people to grow yourself, to, to face your, your demons or your shortfallings or whatever you call them and, and grow. Hard to do that on our own as independent agents, so we do, and we tend to do that mostly that way. Uh, helpful to do that with a group of dear hearts around us that love us. These kind of offerings are what we want to have happen in the life of a church so that when people have tested the waters, think we're a fun place to be at, a genuine loving place and a place where they can encounter God, they can step forward, they can jump in, they can not be too crazy about jumping in. Their feet are on the ground, but they can start to feel the waves and start to figure out, well, how does the, how does the spirit really move? And how do I learn how to do this? So my, uh, my son and daughter-in-law are teaching our two-year-old grandson, our two-year-old grandson. Um, they're just taking care of him. How to swim. So I thought, wow, that fits right into this graphic, right? And Stuart and Sarah did not throw him in the pool and say, good luck, kid. Learn how to do it. Which is kind of like what we do with people when they come into the church. We say, welcome, welcome, come in, take advantage of whatever might help you, good luck. <laughs> and we're trying, to, we're trying to intentionally be different. We're thinking that we will intentionally be different and we will help people learn how to swim with the Spirit, with God, with one another. So last week, um, we had a FaceTime at dinner time on Sunday, just a week ago, and Archer's eating, and Stuart there next to him, refereeing the uh, free-for-all that that is, and says to Archer, what did you do today in the pool? And so he put his head down, and he blew bubbles. So he's, he's learning how not to drown. He's learning how he can get his head underwater and still survive, right? We want to be taught how to do that. Can I learn how to love God and neighbor well enough that when things go south and crummy in all sorts of ways, I can still maintain? I won't drown. That's what we're about at stage three, helping people to enjoy the fun of stage three, of, of starting to learn things, but then helping people to feel that there's a little bit more to just rocking in the waves, that there's the opportunity to learn how to swim. And by learning how to swim, oh, isn't that what it's all about when you get in the ocean? Swimming off with the spirit in intimacy with God and service to neighbor. Well, that's what's ahead of us. Bless you today. Take this stuff to heart. Amen.